0: And then, okay, this will be the end of my musical spiel. My, <laughs> I don't know. One of the voice classes I took in college, uh, I had to do a duet from *The Sound of Music*, and I still—I re- don't think I still don't think I've ever seen that movie. Uh, but still I still know it? the song for Did sure. Would you care to? Say, well, do you, if, unless you do, you know the female part <laughs> to don't. sixteen going on seventeen. I would learn it <laughs> next time. Dude. Then I would be happy to do it with uh. you. That we'll throw that in the symphony corrections (laughs) next week. We'll just do our little 16 going on 17. You all falsetto. Are you a musical guy?
1: Uh, I did theater in high school, and uh, I didn't do the musicals though. No, it was kind of two separate things. Yeah,
0: oh, totally. Yeah, so did you have
2: like big, like dramatics departments in your high school? Yeah, my
1: my high school was huge, so it had a big, I mean, even the theater we had was like a thousand people you could sit in there, really? Yeah, it was huge, man. It was a whole wing of the school, basically. That's nuts, so it was fun. What
0: about you, James I, Pepper?
2: I I actually up, like m- my dad's a huge fan of musical theater. So technically, you know when people say, "Oh, what was what was on the stereo when you were growing up?" Sure, mm-hmm. <laughs> mine was like film soundtracks and musical theater soundtracks. Wow.
0: Any any favorites still that you still, still well, every resonate? year
2: every year my parents would would take us like family trip family Christmas trip to the West End. Okay. Um. So like, am I, will you my, translate
0: for our non UK listening guests? The West
2: End is Broadway. Is England's Broadway. There it is. Okay. Um, and my cousin is actually like a reasonably successful, like famous theater actress. Um, yeah. So I was into Les Misérables as a kid. Sure,
0: classic. Pre-film, really I liked it like before it. it was famous. I love, um, the mu- I love the music from that.
2: Music's good. Um Family the Opera is pretty. Yeah. pretty dense
0: yeah that's a good one i see man I, you're you're hitting all my notes here because i like my very limited knowledge of musicals those are some of the ones that i i know i always just assumed that phantom of the of the opera was this like you know 1930s production of something like no it's a relatively modern musical with kind of like rock music yeah, going yeah. on in it, and and that was a huge relief for me when i went to see it the first time it does kind of rock yeah oh it, it definitely rocks Yeah, yeah. so cool we're uh, rock operas just, i mean they
2: cheat <laughs> they're cheesy as hell like i can't yeah. i can't go to a musical without being like it sounds just a bit a bit much sometimes yeah
0: it's a it's a very it's a specific style. thing yeah but you know what they use gear there too i bet they, they're all about like lav <laughs> mics and weird overhead choir mics and sure? stuff like that I, don't, I have no idea how one produces the audio for such an endeavor
2: it must be quite a trip
0: yeah not easy yeah. We'll have to you know what, anybody listening, if you're in musical theater production, you want to come on and tell us how that shit is done. Love to talk about that. Hit us up. Yeah. Gearbuds podcast at <laughs> gmail dot com at your at Gearbuds Podcast on Instagram. I'm doing the plugs early, but that's fine. We're yeah. we're just gonna dive right in. We're super excited. Episode forty four, Gearbuds Podcast, and we have a super cool guest in the house tonight on the guest couch. Would you please introduce yourself, my friend? Hi,
2: my name's James Pepper, and I'm a guitar technician.
0: Yes, that that was you nailed it. Yeah, some people kind of dance around. Sometimes a little we'll do bit. two takes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to give that one another go? Yeah, a little more oomph in it. That was perfect. Perfect way to start. Uh, we're gonna talk all about you, all that you do, all that fun stuff. Uh, but you know what? We're just gonna dive right into some segments first. I'm gonna get into the symphony of corrections. Uh, just a reminder that cables are called tone tubes. Um, I'd like to thank actually. So we've got a giveaway going on right now. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's all we've had submissions very excited about that keep on sending those submissions in basically share this episode any other episode send us a screenshot let us know you did that you'll get entered we'll send you a custom tone tube cable as well as some stickers which leads me to number two this is where I'm going to now bestow upon the a tone tube and some stickers so here you go this is this will be I don't know how many we've given out now but you're within the first five Owners of Tone Tubes. There For it is. I oh, have to admit. I
2: feel, That's really kind.
0: I feel quite silly handing a guitar tech uh, a cable. <laughs> think he needs more you cables. Know, okay. That he just probably couldn't make himself.
2: I do have a lot of cables. This looks like a high quality cable. It though. absolutely
0: is a high quality cable. It's got some Gepco, Gepco cable and Switchcraft connectors. Hand wired by looks yours durable, truly. It's durable. Good. It'll well. last. It'll last on the road. Give it to all the super famous celebrities that you give cables to i oh, accidentally already, yeah. put it in the
2: chain, on the neck. I'm going. I've got to build three pedal boards in a couple of days.
0: There you go. Maybe maybe it'll make its way we'll out sneak there. Sneak it in there. Tag us on the Instagram. That'd be lovely. Speaking of, we already plugged it. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, Dave. You're posting a lot of solid content. A Just lot trying to of, mix it up. A lot of cool vintage ads, I think, have been some of my favorite that you've been doing. Yeah, that? I
1: try to do one a week of like a retro ad of the week kind of thing. Do you have
0: a, do you have a day that you try to do that? No. No, I like to mix it up. <laughs> I like to mix it like, up. like, oh, I haven't done that yet this weekend. It's Sunday. Yeah. It's time. No, I did the
1: uh, Gibson RD, uh, the oh, RD guitar. That's right. Yeah, From the late 70s.
0: Man, Very you know cool what? Entire. I was just talking about the RD, so our listeners know I'm a, I'm a freak about Gibsons, and mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But I've had this thing in my head where I've I've always kind of considered there to be like seven main Gibsons that I want to own, like mm-hmm. one of each sort of sub-brand. But recently, I've kind of been thinking that I need to add a number eight specifically to put an RD on that list. Yeah. Because they're just so weird.
1: They're super heavy. That's What's the your jazz guitar is. of choice?
0: My jazz guitar of choice. I'm not. I'm. I'm a fake Yazzer. Mm-hmm. I would say probably that 335 over there would would have to be now. Mm-hmm. The jazziest got, of your guitars. I've got a, a Gretsch 6104 in the <coughs> other room. Mm-hmm. That's pretty yazzy because it's got those single coils and it's fully hollow. But you know what? I'm my my version of of wanting to play jazz guitar is like John McLaughlin or um, you know like the fusion greats. I I'm in no way a traditional jazz kind of player, so I just don't have any any jazz boxes i mean you don't need to
2: know jazz in order to play those sorts of guitars you know that's true Mm -hmm. the jazz master being a
0: yeah a pretty key yeah which is like the worst jazz guitar ever basically despite the name um but yeah no that's cool rd man rd's facebook Mm -hmm. do the thing check it out um oh this is a follow-up on something from the past i don't know if you saw this We've again to stick on the Gibson theme. I lo- I mean, I love Gibson so much and all their guitars, but they just do a lot of goofy shit. And they just filed another cease and desist this week mm-hmm. against Kiesel guitars. I this time, that. did you see that? Mm-hmm. Man, like they sh- I, I don't. I. It's like why do you got to why do you got to keep fucking shit up? Like you I, I, I feel v? like they're getting a little <laughs> bit of the a little bit of the goodwill back, and then all of a sudden they go after Kiesel, who's a pretty well loved, especially on the internet, brand. Did you see the V that they're trying to like? it's it the headstock even, design right is that what it is i don't, I don't the know. body's
1: not even close it's I, like it's like a really pointy one it's
0: i guess like, i didn't realize that it was the body too i, it, I thought it was well, just specifically know. that like arrow shaped headstock. they showed I,
1: like the two guitars next to each other and i was like this doesn't look like a flying v it's not the same guitar
0: yeah i, I don't, don't know, know. Do, you, do you have any thoughts about this
1: i've got a real joy of um gibson
2: guitars from between around 1999 and 2004
0: I think you're probably like the fourth or fifth guest we've had, say mm-hmm. exactly that. Really? Yeah, Do you the, want to know why? I do want to know why. They started the
2: custom shop in 2005.
0: So, so mm, leading up to So that. I
2: think that yeah, so you can So basically that's when they started taking the good the yeah. good wood. Right. And all the good stuff. Wow. And
0: that's my theory. Dude, that's, so you could
1: get a high end without actually ordering a custom shop basically. Exactly. That's yeah. insightful.
0: Holy shit. I ne- I did not know. I never connected those dots. The early ni- or late nineties, early two thousands to then the custom shop becoming a thing. That's a good tip. Dang, you're already you're already paying <laughs> your weight in gold here, yeah, man. Um, speaking of gold, got rid of my gold top this week, but I turned it into something. Yeah, that I've don't sound so that sad. I've ached, that I've ached, <laughs> ached over for a long time, which is an old three thirty five. So I've got a nineteen seventy four ES three thirty five TD with trapeze tailpiece and vintage sunburst sitting. And it's mine now. She's a beaut, man. Oh man, I'm so happy. It just I I have I've only ever had I had a hammer echo tone, which was like their sort of version of a 335 that I really kind of never liked. So I was just kind of like, yeah, it's not for me. That's not my thing. And I played a bunch of them, or whatever. But then, yeah, that one that one came in and it had to be mine.
2: You're lucky you're tall. Yeah, right. It, it, I it can't fits. play three thirty fives because hmm. I, I wouldn't well, be able to I'm, see you. I'm five foot six, so mm-hmm. like I can play three thirty nines, and yeah. they look like three thirty fives on me. But three thirty fives, I'm reaching around. Is that so a short,
1: shorter body then, or a short it's, scale?
2: It's just like a, yeah, it's like a smaller.
0: Yeah, yeah the whole body's just the skills is the, the same. The scale is the, the body same. body is okay. the body is smaller. Yeah, I don't think I've scale ever scale seen length. I like, should say is the same scale huh? of the body is whatever. Yeah, three thirty nines. Yeah, they're cool. There was a. For those uh, deep, uh, long-time Gibson fans, there was a Kiefer Sutherland signature three thirty-nine that they released at one point. Yes,
1: <laughs> the twenty-four model.
0: You know, I'm sure that's a reference to his t- TV show or something. I've never, I never saw it, but oh. yeah, yeah, dude, Kiefer. <laughs> he
1: had a signature guitar.
0: Yeah, he's a, he's a real sort of he's a musician and real kind of I guess you would say sort of patron of the arts. I know he supports artists and has i'm pretty sure he has a label in fact and oh uh, there i saw some random tour documentary once and i don't remember the band now but he where he was like i don't think he was their manager but it was like kind of their manager yeah who's the best actor that became a musician keanu reeves dog star <coughs> i i don't know that i've ever heard <laughs> Dogstar star though uh, I mean, of course. Uh, like as a uh, my first joke response would be Johnny Depp because <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you know I only watched that video of him
2: on Kimmel quite recently? No, which one? It, it's it, he's in a car from and the, the acoustic room. And see me he uh, showed it to me and like he's bad. It, it's annoying because I feel Hollywood like vampires. Yeah yeah, 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 that's it. I I feel like the guy's heart's in the right place. Yeah. um yeah, I'll
0: leave it there. He's made a lot of, you know, questionable choices in his life. But I have to say, I've always been a fan. You know, I mean, he's in some of my favorite movies oh, of yeah. all all time. Mm-hmm. So I he's want him to actor. succeed. Um, but I don't know. I don't. Dave, you have, any, uh, you have any? I know Ryan Gosling's in a band. That's right. You know, yeah. oh, dude. Yeah, he played Shuba's one. He was time in like this hipster
1: band. band. Yeah. Like, um, what
0: was it called? It had a, I yeah, forget the name. Something about it. ghosts, something or other. Yeah. It was I know. kind um, of like children's songs, but they were like sort of scary children's songs.
1: It's funny you brought it up because they just had an article that was like. You know the top five actors who are musicians like that. We're actually talking about. Well, those, who are it came they? Came out like last week. Um, Michael Sarah is also one.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, they definitely said Johnny Depp, Keanu Reeves. I haven't
0: heard the band, but I know that uh, when Kaitian from Twin Peaks was on the show, he mentioned producing Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. That's right. His record. Yeah. I haven't heard it though. Yeah, the maybe. guy
2: who's the lead in uh, Thirteen Reasons Why has got a pretty cool band I uh, called. Uh, called wallows wow, um okay. it's one of those annoying things where like him and his mate who are both in 13 reasons why started this band but then became actors still in their band that they were in from high school huh. uh interesting and then it kind of get so they've definitely got they're definitely a uh, for younger for sure. teenagers kind of kind of band but um that but it holds up
0: pretty well jared leto oh yes with Thirty Seconds to Mars, which I mean, you know, it's it's easy to make fun of that dude's man, I pipes, guess. Man, he has got pipes, man. He's sing. got pipes, and they've had a couple of songs. I'll admit, I, I've yeah. i liked some Thirty Seconds to Mars songs in my life, despite my otherwise sort of snobbishness. Do you know how things.
2: often he fires lighting guys? Really? Yeah, like he'll he'll run off stage like I did not okay that green light.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> wow, yeah, I've heard some I've heard some pretty pretty bad stories about him, and uh, specifically like. Lighting. lighting designers Dang. yeah he's he, got
0: some serious synesthesia perhaps he's a
2: micromanager i think that guy there
0: you go makes sense um yeah that's so uh, yeah gold top it's gone 335 yeah. it's here um you know what we've got some other cool stuff over there but i want to talk about the pedal that you brought mm-hmm. my friend james uh what did you what did you bring i bought a i hope i'm saying this right
2: Banana nana effects it's like banana but with an extra banana an na- banana ba- ba- Anna? banana banana
0: there is always money in the banana nana stand it's a yeah a seemingly kind of
2: strange fella um from japan who makes interesting pedals yeah this is called the the mandala yeah and it's like a glitch sample hold pedal Mm, which is really cool sample holds are definitely my jam when it comes to pedals but I, i think i was looking for a I was looking for like a arpeggiator step sequencer kind of pedal and mm-hmm. I stumbled across his website. Um and I think he discontinued the one he did because I think they're actually quite hard pedals to kind of get right. Um like the Cooper Effects Moment Machine I was very excited for but it just it was very it, w- it was very good but it's just they're kind of tricky. Yeah. Um there
0: there's there's usually a learning curve with that kind of thing and yeah. I found I've actually in my I had a well it was it was one of the like modeled versions in a line six m9 but they had it was like the maestro sample and hold in there Mm -hmm. and i actually always wanted i've always wanted one and thought it was super cool a super cool sound but it's the sort of thing that you like literally have to write around you can't just like bring that to the jam and be like hey guys i'm gonna (laughs) use this during my solo here but in fact one of i think we might have played that song when you were in the band i wrote a whole there was a whole song built around just like that absolutely
1: i remember that Um, it was tricky because it was to a
0: We didn't really play to a click exactly yeah that makes things a lot harder but they're really fun but this one i don't this one isn't like that like you were saying when we were jamming on it it's the sort of thing that like probably don't need that on your live board but when you need to get some inspiration when you're coming up with some cool sounds and it might be the sort of thing that like
2: johnny greenwood or nels klein would put the like somewhere in the middle just for the bit at the end of the song when they need to make something sound a little bit confusing
0: but and for that kind of thing, it is nice that it doesn't take up a lot of real estate. It's, you know, that sort of standard mini pedal size. Mm. Uh, for me, though, I've got my big stupid clod hoppers down there. So I kind of need a little bit more space. It's a little uh, small for your
1: giant for my,
0: big feet. <laughs> for these shit kickers down yeah. here. Uh, but it's I one of the things that I first noticed about it is, you know, it's called the however you say that extra banana word. And but <laughs> it, it looks like one because it's a yellow case with the like sweet blue. Yeah. Sort of almost like rounded. Like label Chiquita there, like I think it. his yeah. branding's
2: very good. They're all. Yeah. yeah, they're all yellow, yellow and blue. So thanks adults. for bringing that over. Man. That
0: was, yeah, that was really fun, cool. old, fun old ski on there.
2: They've got a couple. Yeah, they've got a lot of interesting stuff over there.
0: Yeah. Um, Go check them out. I'm sure it's at uh, some sort of. What was it? Banana, 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 .jp, like perhaps. I'm not sure. You, you've got the you've got the Googles. You know how to find they, that stuff. So. I
2: don't think he's got distribution over here. I think this. Is oh why really? No heard oh, of is him.
0: that right? I had to order it from Japan. Oh, cool. well, look at how fancy you are, Mister Guitar Tech, man. Um, after that little condescending remark I just made, uh, <laughs> let's go right to our sponsor, which for we're still we're still doing the Access Analog thing, awesome. guys. I'll give you a quick little explanation again. I'll, I'm, you know what? I'm not even just going to give an explanation. I'm going to read what I have written here. Perfect. Like a pro. Throw it at us. We're total, su- we're total. We're total semi pros around here. Pros. Access Analog gives musicians and recording engineers real-time access to professional analog audio hardware over a standard internet connection. Yep. Audio streams from the Analog Matrix plugin, which you have on your computer, across the internet through the analog hardware, and returns to the plugin in real time. It allows you to mix and master with real-time control. With Products by companies like Manly, SSL, Universal Audio, Empirical, Neve, API, Poltec, etc. Basically, you get a plug-in on your computer, you reserve some time on their website, and then you can use actual real hardware that you tweak in the interface, and then a robot controls that shit on their side. I've seen Instagram pipes ads pipes the, for this. Yeah. Pipes it's it back cool. and forth.
2: Wild, I don't understand. It's Quite. amazing.
0: It's a
1: brilliant idea. And,
0: and it just so happens that it, as one of our listeners, you can use the code GearBuds, and get four free hours, reserve your time, use it yourself, master your, your record, mix some shit. It's awesome. I don't have access to SSL and Neve boards. Now I do. Mm-hmm. Throw a G-Bus comp. I, maybe I'll just throw the G-Bus comp when I'm rendering down this uh, this mix for this episode here, Boom. guys. Like, Go to accessanalog.com, use that code GearBuds. Can you just explain this March to me first. a tiny bit more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That
2: You're mixing stuff over the internet.
0: Right. So you've got an internet connection. You've got your computer that you're normally mixing on. Yep. You've got this plug-in interface. Okay. And it looks like, say you say you decided, I'm going to use the SSL Fusion for the next hour. Yep. You have what looks like an SSL Fusion plugin in front of you. You have it on your track. You have, you have it however you want it, and you're tweaking it, mm-hmm. and it's sending the audio, streaming it back and forth from your computer to the to the hardware over there. Say you're turning the blend knob down, a little robot hand turns the blend knob down. What's the like latency? It's, it feels, you can't track through it. Yeah. um, Which you can't with any plugin really for the same reason, Mm -hmm. unless it's of course it's universal audio and there's still a micro amount of lag regardless. Uh, It's more designed for mixing and mastering for sure, but um, it's real time. Do you have to, do you have to bounce down? Uh, Like, yes. Say you buy an hour. Right. If you haven't, yeah, you you have to stem that out. Otherwise, yeah, you're gonna, when you come back, you won't have access to that particular plugin anymore. Can
2: because. you? I'm guessing you have to like print it.
0: You print exactly. Yeah, yeah. you you and and that's one of the things I think is kind of cool too because I tend to. Not make choices unless I have to and it's a good thing to have to make choices in my opinion So it's like, okay, I'm committing to this decision like you can't I mean with with the four hours or however many hours You want to use beyond that you can experiment But I think it's probably better if you have an idea of this is what I want to accomplish right now Mm -hmm. And then you'd go and do it with that particular piece of hardware or chain of hardware. You can use multiple uh, Pieces as well. It doesn't have to just be one at a time.
2: I do wish I was forced to
0: make decisions more when I'm recording Mm -hmm. Well with access analog you can do that (laughs) Visit accessanalog.com and use code GearBuds and get your shit on. Get your mix on. No, we're stoked. They're cool. (laughs) They're really really good people. Go check them out. That's the plugs. Now, I'm going to go to my favorite segment every week, Dave's Docs.
1: Hey, Dave's Docs. Um, For those of you who don't know, I try to watch a documentary about music every week. Talk about it here on this podcast. Um, I actually didn't do last week, so it was kind of nice. I had a week off. And yeah, uh, kind of missed, us, yeah. I kind of missed it. And then I know? think I
0: talked about Taylor Swift or something instead. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, we did. That was on one of the episodes for sure. Um, I haven't watched that one yet, but uh, I watched a really good one. It's on Amazon. Uh, if you have Prime, it's free. It's called The Rainbow, and it's about the rainbow like restaurant and bar. Oh, on-
0: Sans W. mm hmm. Yeah, and sunset strip and sunset
1: strip. Yeah, that's that's what you're trying to say. I was like, wait, what? It? <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Pretty good doc. It's just about all the guys that used to hang out there and the uh, whiskey, you know, whiskey, Go-Go, yeah, same owners. Um, and just, you know, just the kind of legendary place that it was. And, you know, all the bands from all the way back through. I think they bought it in like 73 and it was just all the people that hung out there and drank there and signed the walls and, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I were it made me want to go check it out. Was like, there any
0: was there any good gear spotting going on in that? Um
1: well there was like, you know, a lot of slash, you know, because they had their own booth and everything,
0: so a lot of a lot of Les Paul dude, shots. Yeah. I was just I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a quick tangent. Yeah. I remember at NAMM this year we saw that like slash the guy? dude that looked like just like <laughs> Slash but like half as tall and and we saw him all the lot, top hat and he though, was wearing man. the top hat yeah. and we just kept, we just kept calling him slursh. Yeah, slursh.
2: <laughs> I feel really sorry for Slash. Why? Really? Yeah. Let me explain this to you. Okay. All right. <clears throat> like no one was doing the like Les Paul in the position he has it uh-huh. and the hair. You know, he kind of invented
0: this this it, thing. As far as I can tell, Les Pauls were kind of uncool at that yeah. point. Yeah. And then
2: everyone started copying him, mm-hmm. which then made Slash kind of a caricature of himself. Ah, right? Right. And so he comes across as really lame, even though he kind of defined a lot of what it is to to look as a guitar player. Totally. I actually, I'm not a huge Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah, but I kind
0: of I, am. I, I do, mean, I think I those em. first couple records yeah. are badass. Appetite's an amazing I record. I just,
2: I mean, Axel Rose just puts me off. <laughs> I, feel, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've definitely spent more time waiting for Guns N' Roses to come on and play than I have listened to them in the last like ten years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they come on at all, right?
1: Three hours late and stuff like that.
2: I've had, yeah, I've I've waited a, a, a total of three and a half hours to. Wow, and, holy well, shit! Obviously, I, it was at festivals, and I'll just go somewhere else for a while. Yeah, yeah, that that
0: guy just puts me off guns and roses.
1: We were talking about that last week, because we were talking about what guitars uh, we thought help, what guitars
0: what guitarist helps sell the most? Helps guitars. Helps sell the
1: most guitars, That's and obviously a lot of people. And I was going to say like, slash. slash, but yeah. then you were like, "Well, Jimmy Page, and really? Every, yeah." So maybe Slash was almost like <clears throat> a little bit of a copy of Jimmy Page.
0: There, yeah, it's hard to have one without the other, but right. it, it's all—it's all. I mean, we're all just borrowing and stealing ideas from each other. It's so a relative anyway.
2: concept as well. So to get too like kind of mathematical no, about I love this, it, but oh, like, like, because uh, I would say Clapton. Sold a lot of strats. We we he was, he was part of the conversation. Yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm mainly going by. I, I worked in a repair shop on Denmark Street in London for two years, which is kind of Timpan Alley mm-hmm. equivalent, and um, and the amount of like you know suburban dads bringing in their, Clapton strat was off the charts. Well, and that
0: was part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Go back and check out last episode, but we'll we'll get into it again. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> it, the hard thing to, to really define was, you know, was it, it wasn't just saying like, a Clapton signature Strat. We're saying right. like Clapton selling all Strats. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and he was definitely. I I mean, I absolutely think he was. Not only was he the first Fender signature guitar, but also he has just sold a shitload of Strats. Plus, it was
1: also like the guitar you saw him with
0: all the time. Like you don't see him a, a lot. In of a certain stuff, era, the right. thing was. I mean, he, he didn't play Strats for a long time. Right, that's I mean, true. Yeah, if you ball, go back was to was SG, right, three thirty five. That's a good point. He played. He was a Gibson dude for a long time. Yeah. So I'm sure he sold a lot of those to a lot of dudes back then too. But this
2: yeah. is what I'm talking about as a relative concept. because because strats were already a huge guitar, of course. Yeah. So, like, if I'm thinking about it a bit more logically, then you know, like, John Lennon played J160s, mm-hmm. and then they became well-known guitars, bec- only because John Lennon
0: played them. True. Same with even Rickenbacker, like 330.
2: Yeah. Did you talk about Jack White's airline?
0: We did, no, but that's a that's a actually really a great call. Because, he popularized. Yeah, nobody those gave things. a shit about those, and he ruined the market for the rest <laughs> <know>. of us. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, there's bitch. an
2: argument that Dan from Black Keys. Like Norm was playing harmony guitars until he started playing again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess I mean there. So as a ratio,
2: yeah. You know, I'd probably, I'd probably put Jack White. I see what you're saying.
0: Not just like pure gross numbers, but guitar to how many even existed to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Jack White definitely sold all those red silver tones and airlines Mm -hmm. that were all made in the Chicago, Illinois back in the day.
1: He also had Jimi Hendrix with the Strat. I think that was a big one too.
0: Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't separate the two really. Right. Which is and that which is I guess the other thing. First of all, he was only around really for like three years. That's a and big point. He, he, while he, there are photos of him playing flying V's and right. SGs, and true. customs and stuff, and even that old Dan Electro picture. Like, you know, Clapton's been around for way longer, playing a lot of different guitars. So yeah. but again, Fender just first signature being the Clapton. It's kind of yeah. What guitar did you start playing because someone else played it? Jimmy Page, phone right. Less Paul special too. I still got it. Was.
1: Yeah, mine was a well I was a bass player, so it was like you know, fender P bass all the way, you know. But who didn't play one of those, I guess, <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. Was there was there was there a bassist that was you were like, I want to um, be like that dude? When I was that young, no. Mike Durnt, i perhaps. Just, yeah,
1: maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I no, I never really thought about it because I didn't, you know, I played bass out of because everybody else down the street, you know, played guitar and drum. Yeah, exactly. So like you're gonna play bass. I was like, all right. Um, but I remember that just that Fender signature headstock. I don't know where I first saw it, but yeah.
0: that's
1: all I ever wanted. You know,
0: <laughs> I feel like I, I, in hindsight, with just like my body shape and size, I probably should have been forced to be a bass player. Yeah. Like it's a really natural thing for me to have like a bigger instrument than yeah. a guitar. But yeah, I just you know I decided guitar was a thing. What about you? When did you, I, yeah. I, I was going to ask you all this stuff later, but let's just ask right now. Let's what, get into was, it. what was your what was the guitar that you wanted? I to actually get? started as a bass player as well. Really?
2: Um, although my bass playing idol at the time was Sid Vicious, so it's, it's not exactly someone you, right? You, you want to look like him. You want to look like him. Yeah, yeah, like yeah him. I didn't, I didn't, in, I didn't intend to play like right. him. Um, I would argue
1: that that was actually he really kind of made the Fender P like in the seventies that kind of style. The, I mean Slung him, real low. Yeah,
2: yeah, him and him and Paul from the Clash. But um, yeah. but yeah, mine was mine was Tellys because Joe Strummer and or Bruce Springsteen. All is, right, I, I can never tell if Tellys are really boring or not, but.
0: I've decided they're the cool, some of the coolest guitars on the planet in my, in my older advanced ages. I never, I always avoided them. I always thought they were country guitars and because I'm large, I thought they looked too small on me, mm-hmm. but then I finally got a good one and I never want a different Fender. Frankly, mm-hmm. I just think they're the coolest mm-hmm. that aren't made by Gibson, you know? Um, sweet. That was, well, I mean, that was a little Dave's docs tangent right there. Yeah. Anything else you want how many, what, what's your rating?
1: Oh, my rating. Um, yeah it's it's definitely a four out of five cocktails
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> fucking a man i'll get that on the website uh never because i've kind of stopped updating oh, those. Yeah. But i'll do I it think again I owe you like 10 write-ups yeah we're pretty we're pretty behind on go back those. and listen to the old what's episodes? your
2: favorite music documentary hack hmm.
0: that's you're putting me on the spot a little bit i would I like say it i like a guest that asks I questions know me too, man. that's this is great the best. keep it coming love talking about myself uh <laughs> It's almost like I started a podcast. (laughs) Uh, I would say the one that comes to mind is Dig, probably, which is the uh, documentary about uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre and... Dandy um, Warhols. Dandy Warhols. Okay. And and the interesting thing about that choice is that it's not... Neither of those bands are anywhere near my favorite bands of all time. I think they're fine enough. But just like as a movie and documentary, and the point that it hit me in my life where... I just wanted to be this like cool rock star and everything. And it just, they just seemed like the coolest fucking rock stars and partying and doing drugs and touring and having this like two very different experiences where like the, the actual artists quote unquote were had little to no success, probably mostly because they were just constantly self self Mm self-defeating. But then the maybe less talented, but pretty and much more palatable band got the major label deal and made Mm -hmm. a bunch of money and had a hit song and all that stuff. Um, I haven't watched it in a long time, but I should. I should. I should. Have you ever seen it. that one? I haven't. No, it's great. So it's just a great movie. Dig with an exclamation point. Yeah. Can I assume that you're somewhat of a connoisseur
2: about
1: uh, documentaries? I love them. Yeah. This I just love them. This is episode
0: 44, and I think we've think had we've, probably 40 documentaries. Yeah, discussed in it's here, a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once a week. I
1: think that's why I took last week off. I was like, this is hurting my brain. Um, Do you have a favorite ever? Yeah. I have to say.
0: Oh, can I guess? Yeah. Give me shelter. Yes, yeah. yes,
1: absolutely. Have you seen Give me shelter about the Altamont? Um, the Rolling Stones. Yes, and they have like the Hell's Angels are in it, and it's like yes. they're the security, and it's just a crazy movie, and it's so well shot too. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's probably my. I mean, I'm a huge Stones fan, so it's mm-hmm. probably
0: you know one of my favorites. But Dig is up there, man. Dig is. And you've got. I just noticed you've got a Zeppelin, got a Zeppelin shirt. Got right shirt on, on today. Yeah, there it is um i'm really lamely wearing a gear shirt right shirt yeah now. <laughs> uh, but i just i realized i hadn't worn this shirt a second time yet so i was like well it's laundry day time yeah. to fucking wear this thing i busted mine out the other day there you go yeah james what's your what's your favorite music yeah
2: track? um you think i'd have one in mind considering that i, I know um <clears throat> my favorite music um probably shut up and play the hits by yeah. which is the lcd sound system one that's,
0: that's a, a good one, one. um yeah, I think that's, I think you've covered that on mm, your, I haven't, no? no, no, I, you know what, it's on that like early brainstorm list that we had of mm-hmm. ones for you to talk it about. It
1: comes up. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you ever Google like, you know, top rock documentaries, it's always in the yeah. top 10. Yeah.
0: I don't know why. I, I think I like it
2: because, I mean, it's a shame that they got back together because it, it, it was a little more poignant when it was like their
1: last performance or something. Yeah, it was
2: covering right? the, the last show, everything like in the days leading up and the days mm-hmm. afterwards, why he sort of. Decided to just sort of stop for no real reason than he wanted to.
0: Yeah, a, a um, lot of him in his sweatpants walking his dog on yeah, yeah, the yeah. streets. Yeah, <laughs> with like a stain on his shirt. Yeah. But yeah. he
2: spe- he he speaks really well. He's got he's got, I mean he's he's very pretentious, but I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, and and I I mean he makes we talked about choices. He makes a lot of musical choices that I agree with. I've never been the biggest fan of the songs but i love the way they sound yeah. and they're so much fun live I've super original band line, yeah. yeah
1: absolutely
2: it's the only band tattoo i have i've got the lcd Soundsystem. oh is that right oh is that the, the disco ball yeah, yeah. oh, oh badass. Cool, man um band tats it was important like i was still into punk as we were getting older as all my friends started taking ecstasy and going to clubs and so we kind of we all could kind of meet in the middle with LCD sound system, right? Kind of, it was dance music for punk fans with the rock band, totally, punk yeah. fans for for dance fans, you know. So like,
0: fuck yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so, they were great, man. Go, go watch, Dave. Go watch. Shut up and play the hits, and uh, I will talk about it next. Maybe week. we'll talk about it next week. That <laughs> actually helps
1: because sometimes I like I'm looking and I'm like I have no idea what I want.
0: That's like you know what? Let's try to remember to do this from now on. A suggestion: We'll ask we'll ask each week's guest yeah. for the next one that you should watch. I love that and then you'll have chances to are do I've it. probably
1: seen it, yeah, but uh,
0: it'll be, it'll be, a yeah, fun I haven't enough. seen
1: that one in years though. Actually, I'm going to check that one out.
0: Refresh the old yeah, uh, memory sure. on that one. All right, man, I'm going to get go to, r- got, got to go to Riff library for the most boring segment each week <laughs> where I talk about a different music book. Um, and so I busted these out because last week we talked about yeah, those, those other ones. vintage ones yeah. uh, and they're very large, oversized hardcover things. And then I was like, wait, I have also have some vintage ones that are very tiny. Aww. So I want to talk about these two. I don't remember where I got these, but uh, they're both published by the same publisher, Grosset and Dunlap. Uh, <laughs> I think these are both from like the I, one of them. So the copyright on the inside on one of them says like the teens, but then the other one says like 1940, and they kind of look uh-huh. the same. So I'm guessing they're both from 1940. Yeah. But one is the little dictionary of musical terms, and the other one is the story of a hundred operas. And it, they're actually really fun to read through because they're really small and concise. And then it's like, oh, I want to know about. Um, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to skip to an opera that I've heard of before so I can actually pronounce it correctly. Okay, we're back um, talking about wanna, operas again. I want to know something about Natoma. Uh, so I'm just going to read like one page summary of it in this cool little old book, but I'll, I'll hand them over I'll to you guys see. if you want to check them out here.
1: See the musical terms. Like, have you yeah. noticed if anything like has changed over the years? Cause it's such an old book.
0: No, I mean, theory really is, is pretty much oh. just math at this Dissonant point. Dissonant chords. So yeah, it's all, it's all stuff that, you okay. know. Uh, it has, it can't really change, but it's, I just, I don't know, man, I just really love old books and reading the way people used to write the English language. And, um, I got, the, I remember cool getting too. those for pretty cheap and they look really cool on my shelf. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I realize that th- this one, I'm not really going to be able to put on the website. Cause I don't think you, I could even find them like to purchase if I wanted to for right. someone else, but I'll, I'll take some pics. I'll throw it on the Instagram. You know, there's some interesting stuff in there. Very cool. I'll gram it up. So yeah, those are the the two riff libraries, the little the little dictionary of musical terms and what is it 100 operas or some shit? I can't remember what the other one's called. Yeah, 100 operas. Sick. Sweet man. Yeah, dude. Good one. Um getting into future gear a little bit. Uh oh, yeah, I want to Did you guys see this guy uh his name is Bertolt Meyer and he has uh he has a a fake arm. Yeah. And he but he, he's got this special synth- fake arm that is connected to, like, somehow connected via electrodes to his brain. So, like, he can control the hand as if it's like his actual normal mm-hmm. c- hand. I hate saying the word normal. I don't mean it that it's abnormal to not have a hand. I don't, yeah. it, just to be clear. But, anyways, this dude hacked his fucking arm to control his modular synthesizer. Like, he can control his modular synthesizer with his brain. That's crazy because he hacked the hand part to actually interface via CV with his modular synthesizer and he can now can fucking control it with his brain. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. It's the residual part of his limb picks up impulses uh, generated when he consciously contracts the muscle. They're then translated into control signals. Uh, He worked with you've probably heard of the company. They're called coma electronic. They make sort of vaguely Moger Foger looking pedals and synth type things, but they're more like um, a little more modern looking, like white, clean lines, whatever. Really, really interesting pedals. Actually, check them out. Como electronic, but he worked with them and they it's called the Sin Limb, S Y N L I M B. And he can control his fucking modular synthesis cool. with his brain. How do how
1: like how do you even like where do you
0: start? I just I can't like I saw that and, and we always do this future gear segment and like how is there anything more possibly future gear than controlling your modular synth to- with your fucking brain, dude? I mean I guess technically you can argue that we're always controlling everything with our brain, but you know what I mean? I know what you mean like just,
1: moving it like telepathically.
0: Yeah, almost. yeah. I just I don't I don't really have anything profound or interesting to say about it. Does other he than have to like? I it just hook, thought it was the coolest shit I've ever seen. Does it hook up to his arm? Yeah, I see. Yeah, dude. It's just like. It's like a it's like a fucking MIDI interface instead like instead of his hand more wow. or less like with elect, like wires and That's stuff. Super cool. It's super cool. I think I read about it on the internet and I decided to talk about it on the internet. Love it. Future gear. Future gear. Uh, oh, there was an update. We've talked about this before, and I just wanted to give a shout out because it's become he's become a friend of the podcast. Andy from a little thunder pickups. The a little thunder pickup V two came out, and for those who don't remember when we talked about it last time, <coughs> excuse me. We, uh, it's ba- it basically re- you replace like the neck humbucker on your guitar with this pickup, and it allows you to send signal just from the bottom three strings right. out to a separate output. And, and it's not like just putting a bass pickup, like for instance, Scott Lucas, sure. the guest of the show, uh, does with his because it also synthesizes an octave down or two octaves down and you can control that so basically it really does allow you to do the like guitar and bass in the same instrument thing that a lot of people have been trying to do for a while no
2: one's really had a handle on that no yeah have they yeah like i remember the submarine pickup when that came Mm -hmm. out um yeah no one's no one's quite got it perfect
0: dude you should check out the the little thunder v2 now and it's basically it's a little the uh, the pickup itself, like the guitar string side is a little more pAF like a little lower output um, they improve the low end uh, refinement um they improve the battery life from twelve to sixteen hours now also supports Bluetooth so you can update it and do crazy shit with it and it's now shipping for two ninety nine so go check it out a little thunder v two good friend of the podcast Andy Very cool behind that company uh Billy Gibbons is out on tour with one I believe and there's some uh, some other artists using it so hmm. you know. It's uh, it's legitimizing at least that way. I really I mean, I still haven't actually put one in one of my own guitars or anything like that. I really want to do that because it's just such a cool idea.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't. Already. I know. <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, oh, one last bit of news. And it's uh, pretty timely considering our, our guest today. Uh, but I was reading a story. I don't know if you saw saw this, Dave, um, that, about how EU musicians will now need visas to tour. I still can't. I still every time I say that word, I still feel like I say it wrong. Tour, 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 tour. I I don't know. Uh, But anyways, musicians from the EU will now need visas to play in the UK as of 2021. Please, as our resident (laughs) British expert, (laughs) please, please tell us about this and what you feel about it.
2: Yeah, this just came out. I mean, the touring industry in the UK has been been obviously nervous for Three or four years about yeah. about this whole thing. Yeah, it just came out in the last week, so a couple days ago. I think two hundred and forty four pounds. Yeah. I think it costs for the visa, and then you yep. have to prove that you have uh, a grand in savings. Uh Yeah, oh. in your bank account. Which
1: is I, it's kind of weird. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, I mean, I've toured with American artists in the UK and Europe, and it seems pretty pretty free free flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just gonna it's just gonna ruin the whole thing
0: so you think it's going to have a, an obviously detrimental effect on the industry in the UK.
2: Yeah, well, if you think the UK is only about the size of a state in 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 the US and you can you can't play in the UK the whole year right. like you can in the US. Um, when my first sort of year or so of touring, I I didn't I didn't play a show in the U, I didn't do a show, sorry, in the UK for the first 9 or 10 months of my touring career. They were largely always in Germany who Mm -hmm. are huge music fans. Um, And the fact that we can
0: quickly hop over the channel to do shows was, was imperative. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's be clear for all, but the very top of touring artists, these are not huge money-making endeavors. You're not making money hand over fist to begin with. So adding this extra burden is just, it's only going to, I wouldn't have
2: gone on the the tour. Like I, you know, like, obviously when you're starting, I just, you know, it was my friend's punk band. Mm -hmm. um, Apologies. They have none um, who, yeah, would just take me out and it would just be like, all right, yeah, we'll see how much money we got in the bank at the end and transfer you. Mm So I was like, all right, thank you. And then just, and yeah, you were kind of just along for fun really, but yeah, they wouldn't have taken me if they had to get visas. Exactly, Um, Hmm. It's one of those annoying things. And the more you sort of look into this whole Brexit thing, it, you just realise that the the arrangement that we already have always seems to be the best one to go for. Yeah, why rock the boat? So every, it's just it's it's regressive in, in quite a lot of aspects.
0: And I know we don't have to get too deep into politics. We've already had you and I personally have had some some political talks in the past. But I guess for those like myself who aren't you know as deeply knowledgeable about the subject, are is there any sort of like is this final is there any chance that this can get turned around and returned back to kind of the way that things were before?
2: Not now. Yeah. Um we had an election um December of 2019 mm-hmm. where um <laughs> Boris Johnson um ran on the get Brexit done mantra with that was kind of his make America great again almost. Right. Um and if he had lost that then there may have been a chance of flipping it but Um, but no, the UK left officially and at the end of January of this year. And then there's like a transition period. So everything's technically still the same, but at the end of 2020, that's when all the kind of new laws and stuff will come into place.
0: Are those laws in some way, like, I guess my question, are they guaranteed for a certain amount of time or is it just as long as someone who wants to keep them uh, is, is in office?
2: Um, I mean,
0: is it like Brexit is okay? Like we are going to definitely do this for at least 10 years or something like that. You know, is there any, or or is there any, no, I mean the the
2: conversation will come up in, in a, in another generation on whether or not we, we rejoin. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's just like anything though, where it's, it's not, it's not the time to have the conversation now. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the UK joined the, what, what was called the European economic community in 1973. Um, It's actually quite interesting because it was the left that didn't want to join and the right that did. And now it's the other way around in that the right generally want to leave and and the left wing people wanted
0: to stay. But um, those are for obviously different reasons. Yeah.
2: um, But yeah, the Euroscepticism kind of slowly climbed and climbed and climbed up until the referendum in 2016. And then it's going to be the same again. You've got an entire generation of young people who, you know, the country's divided into leavers and remainers now and it'll just come a time when the young people and now the people running the country and that conversation will get brought up again but it's not yeah it's not a question for now really
0: yeah mm. well i will say you know make your voice heard and 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 believe it or not i was actually looking at our demographic audience uh, statistics recently and our second most highly unique visited uniquely visited uh, audience country is the uk believe it or not oh. so we've got a lot of uk listeners cool. these days and this is going to be extremely interesting. For I mean,
2: you. one thing that could come out of it that could be helpful is if they can strike up a us UK trade deal. Cause obviously the UK was trading cause sort of via the EU with the USA. So, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of, that's what everyone's sort of now leaning on is just hoping that something good can come from a UK US trade deal.
0: I have a feeling that we're going to need our own, um, change in, in, in administration for such a thing to really take off
2: uh, it's hard to it's hard to know because I, I mean yeah i mean again without getting like drastically political obama didn't help things mm-hmm. he said he said after oh, the uk leaves the eu they'll be at the back of the line for a trade deal kind yeah. of thing and like it, it wasn't helpful um obviously I he love was obama, doing that for political reasons yeah i think so i think yeah i think he was doing it as a hey please Please don't, don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But the the issue now, the UK is very scared that we're going to have to lower our uh, chicken standards. That's a, a legitimate like what? front page thing you know how you chlorinate chicken here? We're yeah, going right. way off gear now. Uh-huh. Um, that's great. Let's talk about
0: chicken and money. That's <laughs> what we do sometimes. <laughs> I, I want some, I want some meat chemical c- talk. EU guidelines are very,
2: very high. Uh, US are, are, are very totally. low. Um, I just watched
0: a really, I watched like an hour and a half long documentary about uh, chicken. I can't watch that. I cannot watch um, that.
2: And selling off the national health service in the UK, which that's, that's something that's quite scary to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, hopefully none of that happens. I don't really know what, yeah, I don't really know what, what good's going to come of it, but, uh, it's probably more helpful to remain optimistic than, than anything else. You know? Sure.
0: I think that's just generally good advice. Yeah. Anyways.
2: The main thing, going back to the, the touring side of mm-hmm. it, the musicians union um, uh, petitioning the government to make a, a sort of a musician's passport, um, which you can apply for. And this would be for UK citizens
0: going to the EU.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So we'd have a bit
0: more of a in out access. That seems just thing. like a good idea to me anyway. Either, yeah, either this didn't happen.
2: It's it's an interesting one because um, I actually wrote a letter to my local MP oh, I love <laughs> about this because I was just sort of like, you know, like music in the UK is a, it's, you know, it, it's a cultural phenomenon and a huge culture export for the UK. So to, to quash it in any way is not really a good idea. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot of local venues in the UK have shut as well. So, I mean, it, it doesn't look great, but it, it doesn't have to be as bad as it could be, you know.
0: For sure. All right, man. Well, good talks. That's Thanks cool. for providing, <laughs> providing a little insight on that for us. Uh, n- not as cultured on the UK things, yeah. but you know what? Let's keep it over there, man. I want to. I want to start talking about you and your background and how this all how this all came to be. So, what? Um, where you? You know, where are you from originally? Where were you born? What was that all? all I'm
2: like? from. I'm from a county called Essex, mm-hmm. which is. It's not. It's not. It's not a place that you. are Proud to be from. Isn't you know?
0: Let's uh, let's give a quick shout out to a friend, personal friend of ours, and friend of the podcast, uh, Andy, who I believe didn't she refer to that as Essex?
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when we were having a conversation, she about it In her, and I like, in her oh.
0: defense, she's also from Costa Rica, so English is, isn't even her first language. But I think she thought it was called that because of uh, internet memes. Mm-hmm. Mm. So you're from you're from an internet meme place. Yeah.
2: Well. Essex, I compare Essex and New Jersey quite a lot in that Essex is just outside of London. You know, a lot of people kind of will claim to be from London, even though they're not from London. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got our own reality television show um, that's incredibly similar to Jersey Shore, called The Only Way Is Essex. Um, it's generally the laughing stock of the UK with regards to, you know, everyone from Essex is sort of dumb, superficial idiots kind of thing. Okay.
0: Um, you uh, clearly you fit that bill. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know Helen Mirren, the actor? Of course. She she called Essex the armpit of England. Okay. Okay. I so, usually call
0: Indiana the armpit Gary of Indiana. America, I think is the okay. You know, oh, sorry to our Indiana me. listeners, but yeah. you know, I'm sure you, I'm, I'm sure you hate us fibs. What is which is what they call us too. So like we just give it back. It's an it's a healthy rivalry. It's cute.
1: I didn't
2: hate it there, though. Though yeah. I mean it's it's only thirty minutes to get to London on the train, right. so I didn't spend many weekends
0: locally did but you spent uh that's where you spent your life growing up yeah
2: i mean yeah but if you're from essex and you start to do well it, you've probably moved into london right. and then you and then you'll just say you're from london sure
0: yeah what um what was your what, when did you get into the music thing when did you start playing guitar and doing that kind of thing
2: um i was 13 which is probably about the same age as everyone else mm-hmm. i actually <laughs> I actually actually wanted to be a basketball player when i was a kid um, who was your favorite my favorite basketball yeah. player uh I liked Scottie Pippen. Nice.
0: Um,
2: so my, the, I mean, it's kind of the reason why I'm in Chicago, probably subconsciously. My dad came here um, for like a conference in 1996 and okay. I said, can you bring me back a Michael Jordan jersey? Oh, yeah. And he brought me back so much ball stuff <laughs> and I got obsessed with basketball. Um, and, yeah, I supported the London Leopards. Shout out to the London Leopards. Oh, yeah, um,
1: totally. I know what that they is. They
2: were one of the best teams in the BBL. <laughs> is that right? The British Basketball League.
1: I cannot <laughs> say I think of basketball when I think of England. Oh, oh man.
2: Well, no, no, I felt like the only person in yeah. England who liked it. But, yeah, I wanted to be the first Englishman to play basketball in the NBA. Um, Has there been? Yeah, uh, yeah. there's been a few now. Okay. There's been a few. Luol Deng, he played for the Bulls. Ah, sure. Um, yeah, That's he's right. probably he's probably the most famous one. Um and there's a guy called John Amici as well. He paid for the magic in the early noughties as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, my dad, bless him, just never told me, hey, you're not going to be tall enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be about a foot short of being <laughs> tall enough.
0: Um, and you can't jump like Spud Webb can. No. Nah.
2: But then, but yeah, I mean, maybe seeing Mugsy Bogues in Space Jam sure. probably helped. Oh, yeah. Made me think that it could be a thing. He, but, gave, he
0: gave hope to point guards everywhere. Mm.
2: But then, yeah twelve, thirteen, something like that, there was uh when bands start forming. Yeah. Um yeah, the the only the only band that the first band that formed in my school were were four were four girls and I fancied the drummer and the bassist left. Uh, um almost, and they're like you're oh. definitely gonna be a bass player now. Yeah. And <laughs> he was like, we need a bassist and I was like, I play bass <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> and then um yeah, just bought a fifty pound bass. What was it, do you remember? It was it was a P bass, but it was it was like it a was, copy or something. It, it was a copy of a copy of a copy. Sure. Um Do You
0: I have think
2: it? Nah, nah. I, when I when I moved to here, I I had a shed full of random guitar projects and odd things, and I yeah. just I, I said fifty quid for someone who can come just and take pick it up all. these terrible mm-hmm. guitars. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's long gone now. But yeah, I fancied the drummer, so I was like, I play bass, and then went and learned a bunch of Green Day songs just enough to kind of fool them into thinking I've been playing for longer than about 10 days.
0: Second Green Day reference of the episode. Love There it. we go. We had one already? I, I, I said Mike Durnt earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I, love, I love a good Green Day reference. Uh, so you're doing that and uh, playing some bass. Were you, I mean, obviously, I don't want to jump too far ahead as a guitar tech, were, were you interested back then in taking things apart, fixing them, making them play better, doing that sort of thing? Um,
2: a little bit. I think I became a guitar tech because I was procrastinating before. It's like, oh, I can't play this if the bridge heights are this. High. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I, can't, mm. I can't possibly play. So I think I learned to fix guitars. I was like, it's like, oh, I'm going to clean my room before I make some, make some songs kind of thing. Yeah, it was that sure. equivalent kind totally. of thing. Um, I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a studio guy. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. I went to college and then university, um, and I did a, a sound design and psychoacoustics degree. Cool. Um, but yeah, I realized while while in the studio that it felt a bit confined. Got I felt a bit claustrophobic, so I just didn't really do it. And then, yeah, then I got a job in a guitar shop after I left uni, and kind of was found that, myself. Was that the Denmark Street shop? No, nah, this was this was in Chelmsford Essex. Oh, okay. Um, this terrible. This is a very small shop. Um, yeah, and i just found myself enjoying fixing guitars there was a guy who worked for called pete who worked for gibson's sort of distributor in the uk um and he's i said can you teach me how to fix guitars properly because i'm i'm just going off Mac videos here <laughs> and then yeah and then Dan he was
0: like my spirit animal <laughs> yeah.
2: and then and then he was like yeah i'll teach you how to fix but you can never start a guitar repair shop in chelmsford and yeah. i was like okay cool and then I guess that that's probably how I started touring because I didn't have the opportunity to start a repair shop in Chelmsford.
0: Were there were there bands uh, in Essex where you're from that you were working with that any of us would have maybe heard? Or, or I guess maybe a better question: Are there any who are the big bands that have or artists that have come out of Essex? Are there? Um,
2: any- I had a, I had a hometown hero when I was eighteen. Um, Seventeen, eighteen, and he was called Get Cape, Wear Cape, Fly. Um,
0: <laughs> that's amazing.
2: It's <laughs> from an ad, I think it was from a Superman advertisement uh-huh. at the bottom. Um, he's I mean he's the only person I've really sort of admired that's from Essex. I okay. mean Blur are from Essex. Oh, oh, okay. oh wow. Um, you know I that. The pesh are from Essex. Um, no, I mean I, I don't know anyone from Chelmsford though. Yeah. From from my hometown, it's it's pretty devoid of culture. It's a commuter town really into London.
0: Um, were you? Did you start touring with bands from there, like when we were still there, or was it after you went to I was to
2: playing at the same time and got into kind of DIY punk yeah. stuff in London. Um, yeah, and I was sort of house guest at various different houses around London while I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then this one band, Apologies, I had none. They... They were my favorite band at the time. I thought you were apologizing to us.
0: <laughs> no, they, us. I only <laughs> not that because you mentioned it earlier. The band, like, no, the band are the called name. Apologies, comma right. I have none. It's a good name. Cool. Um,
2: yeah, and they, they, they released a record that did quite well at the time, and they got a um, a couple shows supporting the Gaslight Anthem, um, who were doing very well at the time, and they were like, "Can you just make sure strings don't break and stuff?" and mm-hmm. So we'll give you fifty quid.
1: And so you were a fan of the band before you kind of started helping them out. And yeah, stuff. and
2: then I joined cool. them for a summer, um, and then I was like, okay, cool. I think I think I'd like to do this as a career now. Oh yeah.
0: So how did that progress? There. When you know, were what, what were the next artists that you were working with where you actually started hitting the road and doing it full time?
2: Um, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend um, knew this like kind of blues rock. And they were kind of kind of a southern rock inspired kind of a black crows kind of thing um which is quite a quite a difference from the from apologies I have none but um
0: which what is their sound? I have no idea what is their sound Apologies, yeah.
2: they're like just like you know cans in the air pop punk kind of thing cool um I'm trying to think of an an equivalent band i mean we we toured with we supported the Menzingers and mm-hmm. anti flag oh, word. oh okay. um and stuff like that strike anywhere yeah music yeah like yeah they were signed to household name records which in the uk was quite one of the bigger kind of punk labels but um yeah they're still going just kind of more on a part-time basis now um yeah and then and then yeah then i started working for a band called the temperance movement who they were sort of my first real band i worked for kind of Mm -hmm. thing um yeah that was a good time like Within about six, about six months after I started working with them, which is about a year after I started touring, they, ha- they got Rolling Stones supports. So we did four of those, wow. which was kind of a baptism of fire. Um, it's a little bit like, oh, if I get this guitar tuned wrong, then 50,000 people are going to know no, about crazy, it. Or 50,000 people are going to completely ignore it kind of thing. Which, yeah, um, it's,
0: if you're doing your job right, no one ever notices, right?
2: Yeah, it's one of those difficult jobs in, in that
0: respect, yeah looking back now from where you've progressed from there to now like do you, you know how much how much of your skills improved since then like you know do you do you feel like you're even you should have been doing that at that, th- at that time
2: <laughs>
0: it's hard to know really like they just like
2: the temperance movement just brought me on because i was i was there available and Probably a little cheaper than everyone else at mm-hmm. the time.
0: Um, you always need that person, yeah, or that a band took, to take a chance on you. Like that, 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 that was right?
2: kind of my apprenticeship. Um, okay, cool. so like they kind of they let they kind of let it slide if I if I made any silly mistakes and they were they were very patient kind of thing and but yeah I'd say by the end of of, of that year it would have been twenty fifteen I mm-hmm. felt like I was I was about there kind of thing.
0: And how did you get from there to here? You know what? How did how did living in chicago become a thing oh, that's a long story well it's almost like we're telling stories on a podcast like a here podcast or <laughs> um so
2: so yeah i stopped working for them and started working for frightened rabbit um and they do they do or they did about as well here as they did in the uk oh okay um so yeah they like their label i think invested quite heavily in in america when they started. So um, I'm surprised because, you know, the guy sings in like a Scottish accent. Yeah. Um, and Very Scottish music. Glaswegian. Yeah. It, it's never... I mean, there's some huge Scottish bands that have that kind of tank over here. So how Frightened Rabbit kind of slipped through, I'm, I'm not to know. But yeah, so we did a lot of American touring in 2016 and 2017 when I was with
0: them. Um, and that's so guitar teching so are you doing bass as well or you well,
2: do you know actually with frightened rabbit i was i did uh ableton oh i was the ableton and oh, really? drum
0: tech we're using ableton right now ladies and gentlemen um
2: but i also looked after the bass player who also played guitar so okay. i kind of had to do the holy trinity of of um professionally plugging yeah. in cables you know um yeah and then their merch guy dylan he was my he, he him and i became best pals and he's from here oh cool we had a tour, and I had nothing to do afterwards. And he was like, I've only got a day or two at home, and I'm, then I'm off away on... I think he was doing Third Eye Blind. And then he was like, why don't you just stay in my apartment for a couple of weeks and hang out? And when was that? That was um, May May of 2017. And then, yeah, a year later, I'd moved here.
0: Well, we're happy for it. It's a, <laughs> it's a pretty great place to be, and you're a pretty great dude. Um, so, obviously you know don't need to get too far into it but things did not end well with frightened rabbit of course you know with your friend passing away and everything how did you how did you sort of recover from that and then make it into working with Nathaniel like you are now Um, I mean it opened a lot of questions about kind of mental health and touring Mm
2: -hmm. Um, seems to have gotten to kind of not quite epidemic levels but certainly like something that something needs to change in order to address it you kind of look around on tour and you're like mm, i wouldn't be surprised if every single person on this tour had a a mental health problem of some kind right, yeah. sure. so like um so it definitely opened up that conversation um but i i did sort of land on my feet and that i'd taken i'd taken nathaniel weightliff um before scott had died before before the last and rabbit show even um and i was already moving here Um, I was actually moving here on a whim. I didn't kind of have a job, but, um, I just had the visa. So like, (laughs) I I just thought, let's take advantage of the visa. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it kind of just sort of landed in my lap. He needed a tech for a Europe run, which started the day after the last frightened rabbit show. And then my first U S run was about six weeks or so after that, which was around the time Scott died. Um, it was so
0: right after you moved here, you had to go right back to Europe.
2: No, 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 that was a U.S. tour. Oh, it was a U.S. Um, tour. I see. Okay. Yeah, the first time I went back to Europe was 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 to fly back for his for his funeral. Though. I'm really sorry. Um, obviously, you know, it was about two weeks after I moved here, so it was kind of yeah. It was a it was a it was Fucked a weird it was a weird few weeks for sure. Um, yeah, the aftermath of it lasted quite a lot longer than I thought it would.
0: But I guess, like you said, though, it does feel to me like the conversation that needed to be had is being had now much more openly and freely, especially even just on Twitter, I see the way people talk about mental health and being there and checking in with your friends. And um, Of course, I mean, nobody ever wants such a tragedy like that to happen. I guess, though, the sort of positive thing we can take from it is that now it is much more open and I feel more comfortable talking about my own issues with this just because of other people that maybe haven't and it's opened up that conversation.
2: Well, it's little things like Because on tours, it's, yeah, it's obviously a very, it's a, what's the word I'm thinking? A
0: family, very.
2: (laughs) It's just, it's very, it's very tight living quarters. Oh, sure, um, I see. Yeah, and, you know, anxieties can sometimes come across as kind of anger or frustration Mm -hmm. at times. And I think that certainly with Nathaniel, we're, we're all getting a little bit better at recognizing these things. Um, Nathaniel actually had his producer Richard Swift um, died about two months after Scott did, um, oh. and his new record is basically the record he wanted to make with Richard. Wow. Um, so yeah, it it, it did quite a good job of kind of opening up that conversation. We, we're actually the tour I'm about to go on. I think we're taking a a life coach out with us, like a wow. She does like yoga and uh, does some massaging and that's and awesome, amazing, yeah, yeah, that's great. And then I've been. So Dylan, who I I mentioned earlier, about two months after Scott died, he was on a a big arena tour and someone said, oh, we haven't had a massage therapist come out recently. And then he said, we haven't had a therapist come out recently. That's probably a more important thing. Mm -hmm. Then he had his light bulb moment and said, "Uh, I'm going to set this up. And he paid uh, two therapists like 300 bucks out of his own pocket. So 600 total uh, hired these two these two therapists to come to the San Francisco show got two rooms had a sign up sheet um and they did sort of eight times 45 minute sessions wow um yeah and then so him and I've been ruminating on sort of how we could make that happen on a larger scale kind of thing um so yeah hopefully in the future I'll be working with um this uh Doctor who works up in Toronto called Haim Newman and uh, Nathaniel's charity, the Marigold Project. Hopefully, get something like that set up. But um,
0: man, keep us posted on that. We'll definitely <laughs> amplify that message as much as we yeah. can because it's a really important. It's cause. something you don't really think about, you know. And and yeah, and it's it's the most important there probably is. Mm-hmm. So
2: there's a charity that's come out of 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 the Frightened Rabbit camp as well called Tiny Changes. That's um, right. Yes, I so haven't heard about this. they so they, they I think they sort of thought about going the touring route but um but now they work f- to help kids under the age of 14 um to if they suffer from any kind of ang- like what looks like it could turn into anxiety or depression mm-hmm. there's been studies that show that you can see it pretty you can see it early on um as early as sort of six whether or not a kid's gonna uh turn up with those sorts of things um so, yeah, they're working in schools in Scotland to do that. The What's reason that? why it's called Frightened Rabbit actually is that was that was Scott's nickname from his mum. The, Just fri- because the of Frightened how Rabbit. Because he, he was an anxious kid. Mom, yeah. yeah. So, th- that's where that one's going. I had no idea. And then I raised, I sold off all their US gear on reverb.com. Um, yeah. and raised. Oh, you did that? That was me, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Good for you. I that's had, very cool. had
2: their entire backline in my basement apartment wow. for. For a few months well if you
0: can go if you can spare the money go support tiny changes uh, and whatever the foundation that comes out of all this that we're talking about right now that you can fill us in on later yeah be cool hell yeah Um, well I mean next thing I actually want to talk about a little bit we've already sort of talked about I guess the mental aspect of it um, just this idea of surviving as this sort of road dog being out all the time Mm -hmm. anything from your years of experience doing it, all that, um, that you can share even just, you know, habits and things that, things that uh, habits you've adopted to help yourself sort of cope with not being at home all the time and surviving on the road.
2: Okay. Um, I got really into ambient music in early 2017. So I'll spend a lot of time, uh, listening to like Brian Eno and I was going to say, which Eno Eno record, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, And then like, I really like Nils Fram and um, there's a lot of stuff that I'll listen to on the bus. One of the tricky things about, about touring is, is that you don't really want to listen to music when the day's over because right. you've had it all day. And, and a lot of, a lot of the tricky part is that there's all these people that, yeah, are a bit tired of music, but music is also their kind of primary means of, of, of cathartic release. Right. You know? So that it, it can get a bit yin yangy in terms of, trying to find yeah your kind of anchor trying to find your grounding point mm-hmm. um so ambient music works good for that i mean i've gotten really into podcasts recently mm-hmm. um they're are a lot of help because it's like someone thinking for you isn't it i think that's yeah.
1: why i think that's why we like podcasts Just listening to a conversation
0: yeah mm-hmm. um we have heard that this is this is good tour bus listening yeah. others have told us that so that's, that's true. That's nice to know that it's actually getting out there. Passes the
1: time too. I think mm. sometimes better than music will.
0: You know, oh yeah, like A three
1: hour podcast. You can. You're like, oh, that's over already, and then for me, you know, I the get, next city or whatever.
0: Hearing other people have a conversation t- about something that I'm interested in, in a way, allows me to kind of turn my brain off. And, yeah, and not be. You feel there is a little more of a reactivity than a proactivity with it, which can be a, a restful sensation. So I think that's one of the good things about podcasts. Mm-hmm. And coffee as well. Yeah, mm. you. I mean, you find you find your
2: little thing that you become weirdly into, mm-hmm. and for a lot of touring people, it's coffee. For a lot, so next thing you know, you're finding the the grinder that fits perfectly inside the Aeropress. <laughs> right. Every day you're you're, you're, <laughs> go, you're going out to your local sort of twaty hipster coffee shop, uh, which are the same all over the world, by the way, which is a bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and and doing that whole thing. Spending as long as you can making coffee in that, like, downtime in between, in between, like, loadout and sound check or sound yeah. in the show.
0: Dude, sorry. Actually, I want, that's something I want to dig into a little bit. I want to know, okay, walk us through being a guitar tech on a reasonably large tour, mm-hmm. normal show day. What is that like, you know, starting from morning through loadout at night?
2: Okay. Uh. So we, I mean, on a Nathaniel day, we'll load in at uh, about 10 a.m., Um. And then, I mean, you probably only need two hours to get everything set up. So I look after Nathaniel, and then the guitar, the Luke the guitarist, and Joey the bassist. Okay. Uh, and then there's another guy also from Chicago, Kenny, who looks after the keys and the drums. Okay. Um, and yeah, and then sound checks normally around around three ish. Um, yeah, Nathaniel normally play large theaters, small amphitheaters, kind of level. Um, so you, we're doing pretty good for space and mm-hmm. things. It's not. It's not like, um, it's not like the early days when you're in a van. Um, and so got when to do you're a lot of driving you're loading
0: in, you get all the stuff set up. I mean, how how many guitars do you have out with you that you have to take care of? Um,
2: I've got two guitar vaults with about eight guitars in each, so mm-hmm. 12, 12 to sixteen guitars depends on the tour.
0: Are you doing full restrings every show?
2: Um, so I restring every two shows mm-hmm. normally. Um. Yeah, it's nice to, I mean I'm um, I've obviously gotten quite good at stretching strings in now enough to fool them that they're not really sure whether or not I have restrung that yeah. day or not mm-hmm. but uh it's all on just when you think they're going to break kind of thing um <laughs> yeah like I don't know how like Jeff Tweedy's tech does it because he never ever restrings right
0: he loves dead old strings yes. yeah
2: and that would that would freak me out me too just like they're gonna pop at some point <laughs> yeah. um yeah so are yeah. you
0: are you doing full sort of backline tech as well like if you know if the amp the f- fucking cat blows or something are you doing all that work as well or are you more trying to find a local tech to get s- stuff sorted out
2: i mean i've had i've i've had amps go on tour and and managed to fix them um i've built a couple a couple of amps um uh, mainly just from kits mm-hmm. um I did go on like an amp building course with this guy who literally wrote the book on Tubes, um, the
0: Put- uh, Putnam book. No oh, wait, what's the? I don't actually know what
2: oh. it's called. Um, he just wrote a book on vacuum tubes That's, in like oh, wow, the amazing. in like the early sixties, and cool. he's this like this old genius dude who like teaches people like me how to build their own amps. Wow. So like, yeah. So I built a Princeton with him, and then I built another one when I got here. Um,
0: Are you also sound checking, doing that sort of stuff, or do they do their own checks? No, would,
2: I mean, so that you line check just make sure everything's working and yeah. then they'll come on sound check. Um, as the tour goes on, sound checks get shorter, mm-hmm, you right. know? Um, yeah. Start of the tour. They're kind of like, where's this and what's this and what mm-hmm. sounds different today. And then once you, once you're about two weeks in, you know, like the set list is pretty defined by that point. Um, and so like Nathaniel likes to, to go through all of his acoustics, for example. Um, so we'll, Nathaniel's sound checks are normally a bit longer because he, if he plays, he normally has one acoustic per song as well. So if he's got four acoustic songs, then he will have four acoustic mm-hmm. guitars on the oh. tour. Um, and do you, you don't bring backups for everything? Um, you you see what you can kind of chop and change. So we, yeah, so they have two, for instance, each one, one main, one backup mm-hmm. with Nathaniel. Um, like 64 black faces as the mains, and then. Uh, we got some silver faces from Fender, and then we actually had we actually re, rewired all of them. Oh, had really? Them rewired, yeah. I'll
0: <laughs> say. I mean, I know people like to shit on the silver face thing. It just became a popular trend. I don't know. I've played some silver face amps. I really like, and I actually really like those '68 Princeton mm-hmm. reissue silver faces that mm-hmm. they came. I think they sound really good when you open them up.
2: Yeah, they're okay. Like, I, whenever I think of Princeton's, I just think bright, um, and sometimes those silver faces don't quite have that overly harsh thing that yeah. people like out of Princeton's right. um so I think that is probably why people don't like him but mm-hmm. I mean I like him
0: yeah um yeah and then what's the gig like itself I mean how much are you doing during the show for these guys
2: I mean I I actually get a glory moment I, Nathaniel throws a guitar at me we have this big oh, sort of 30 man. foot guitar throw thing nice um and yes I have before you ask um dropped it i, oh, I was yeah no. i was waiting <laughs> wait wait it's not that i've dropped sometimes it's a poor throw he when i started with him he used to he used to care a lot he used to be a really measured sort of <laughs> and, it, and it just felt, it are felt you sure
0: you want to blame your boss on, on the podcast right <laughs> yeah. now nathaniel i know you're listening yeah, uh right. you know he doesn't mean it
2: <laughs> um but okay he knows the risks the risks and rewards so. what
0: what kind of guitar are we talking about yeah, it's like a okay
2: so he plays he plays Dana exclusively. Okay. Oh, okay. Um which this, I don't
0: he doesn't make those anymore, right?
2: Um yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he's stopped, but I think he's still doing small scale production stuff, but I'm cool. up, um it's still a bit up in the air. Yeah. Right. Um on. but those guitars are great. Oh yeah. As I've far only gotten as, like, to play
0: a couple of them that ever came in the shop but they felt they're beautiful. phenomenal. As yeah.
2: far as like parts caster like yeah. guitars go, I think he, he does the best job that I've seen. Um not not digging on Nash. I was or anything, gonna say Nash, like, right. Nash is great too. Um, I just I just feel like he's he puts I think he puts a lot more work into the neck than than Nash might do, and the necks just
0: feel wonderful. And that's the so most yeah. important part of the guitar, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion. I would agree.
2: So he yeah he has two uh two Danicaster tellies and a and a Jazzmaster, and then the other guitarist has uh Dano Telly, Dano Jazz, and but a. But he throws a Telly. He throws the telly. That's the one to throw. it. He used to throw like boat anchor or the
0: boat oars, right? Slab body. I mean,
2: um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's taken a few bumps and bruises. What one difficult thing is that, and they're also really light, he likes like a, an incredibly light body. So Mm -hmm. it does really glide through the air. He used to throw jazz masters at me, but (laughs) because, but because they were offset, I was like, can, can we not do that? (laughs) There was one time when he was, when he was really amped at the end of the, the show and it was in belgium and he threw the guitar and it just went right over my head and like <laughs> oh right on the monitor guy's laptop <laughs> oh no. luckily it was the end of the show but um are yeah. they
0: are does he unplug do they have wireless packs like i'm trying to imagine yeah, the, I'm just... like this tether that that could possibly be attached
2: no he um he unplugs yeah. um yeah like he pops his strap off mm-hmm. and and just holds it yeah. um
0: that is a, that is a glorious moment though, and and, it'll, and it means crowd you gotta you gotta fucking stand your toes <laughs> yeah, to dude. the gig. I'm sure, it, the crowd it, loves it.
2: Yeah, I can't relax until after that. Part yeah, of the show, <laughs> which usually is about yeah, it's about seven seven or eight songs in. Um, although there's, there's been odd times that he's just just held it without without really giving me any notes. <laughs> okay, we did some Christmas shows last year, and uh, Mavis Staples was supporting. And she comes and sits pretty much next to me. Mm-hmm. You can see where this is going. And he wants to throw it at this point in the song, that he's never ever thrown it before or since. Um, and I'm like tuning a guitar for the other guitarist. And then I sort of look up and I can <laughs> see that he's like, pu- and I'm like, Is he?
0: Mavis Sta- like." You L- do the full seatbelt arm over like, her to get L- her L- out. Little Mavis Staples
2: is right there. And I'm like, and, and, but he's singing at the same time. So I can't say no. Yeah, right. right. W- obviously he'd usually ignore me even if I did say no, but um yeah, he just he just humps it. And <laughs> and it's going right for me, the staples. Oh my God. Um and so I, I managed to get it out of her yeah, out of her way, but it, it'd be the equivalent of like an incompleted pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I didn't have both hands on the guitar when When my knee hit the ground, make a football move. (laughs) and my my ribs hurt for quite a long time after that. I've got a lot. I get a lot of bruises on my bicep because I'll just sort of let, yeah, I'll just sort of let the guitar kind of fall onto me and bear hug it kind of
0: thing. Wow, that's a that's a little twist. I don't even know that how you prepare for something like that. They don't teach you about that in uh, catching a guitar. Yeah, Yeah. they do not teach you that. You have to practice proper technique. Yeah, when
2: you're like, yeah, when you're learning how to like re fret a guitar, you're not thinking, yeah, I'm gonna have to catch one of these.
0: This is gonna make for a good grip someday. (laughs) Um man, that's cool. So uh what like after the show, how long how long is loadout and all that stuff? Like what what's how long does it take you to get out of the normally done park? within
2: an hour. Yeah. yeah. Everything ends up, yeah, ten thirty, eleven and then
0: Are yeah. you sorted like say shit goes down, something happens. Are you trying to sort it out that night or are you like, all right, I'm a, this is a tomorrow problem?
2: Uh it depends. There's there's sometimes when I'm like keep power on for ten minutes, I'm just gonna quickly see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um I do know some talk there's 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 one artist who i'm not going to mention he if anything goes wrong he goes sits on the bus in a big grump and then comes back on and they do the whole sound check again and the local crew have to go into overtime and he 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 wants it that sorted that evening um which is a very uncommon and very it's 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 a very rude thing to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah i'll normally sort it out the next day yeah um like i said you load in at 10 sound checks at three i probably only need two hours to set up are um, you a
0: guy that stays in the venue, or do you try to get out and?
2: I stay in the venue. Yeah, I, I probably should make more of an effort to to leave, but it, unless there's a nice coffee shop around the corner, mm-hmm. then I don't tend to leave.
0: Is that because you just you want to be there in case you need to 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 be working and do some you know do get something taken care of?
2: It's more that I work in phases, so I'll kind of I'll get like the the bones of getting everything out and checked and stuff, and then I'll have a little break, and then I'll. We string a couple of guitars and we yeah. will have lunch and um, I might shower before sound check as well mm-hmm. um, yeah it depends it depends really it depends on the venue depends on the day sure
0: um, so uh, I I want to ask as someone that's had a lot of experience in this and we try to ask our, our guests for a tone tip or two are there any things that you feel like you see artists that you've worked with or th- other artists that you're you, you you wish maybe people would learn not to do or, or things that they could, little easy tips that you, we can give to our listeners to say, Hey, like here's a thing that you could tweak about your setup or your guitar, or your rig that you would make a, would make a difference in, in some positive tone gains. Um, I don't know
2: why the four position telly wiring isn't standard.
0: Interesting. Mm. Okay. I like that. I, it, for those who don't know, please explain what the the four position telly switch is. Okay,
2: so you run a um, you run a ground wire from the neck pickup off the actual cover, and you replace the the three position switch on your telly with a four position one. So you have um, humbuckers in series and parallel mm-hmm. in positions one and three.
0: Um, Which I noticed uh, yesterday, the Johnny Marr Signature Jaguar has that. Does four way same deal? Um.
2: It, 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 it just makes perfect sense with regards to everything to do with, te- you know,
0: mm-hmm. um, what do you like about all, having the ability to have the series as an option, which you don't normally have? It
2: just adds an extra thing to it. Te- you know, the the bridge can always be a bit too twangy on a telly. the neck can always be a bit too dull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the middle position can just feel a bit flat at times. So, um, having that extra option pretty much gives you the variables you need.
0: It really is just adding an extra ground wire from the...
2: Yeah, add a ground wire from the cover mm-hmm. of the neck pickup. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you have a, a switch
0: that you need rewiring. Of course. So, um, but yeah. I guess I didn't realize it was that simple. It's not that maybe hard I should, to do. I've got to tell you in the other room. <laughs> i got to go buy a four-way switch now. Um,
2: yeah, that's the one that came to mind instantly. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why. No, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great tip. one. It has never yeah. come up on the show before. I, like that. I love that. Do you know how much m- money I've made off of Johnny Marr choosing to put a three position, choosing p- to put that switch on his Jaguars, by the way? No. Or, even better, how much money I now don't make since Fender.
0: They sell it they themselves. Well, oh, sure.
2: oh, <laughs> those, Jagu- those, those switches on Jaguars, you know, no one's ever liked them. No. Yeah. Um, they right. should or have goofy. always just had the telly switch in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and when I was at that, that repair shop in Denmark Street, it, it seemed like the, the most consistent thing we did was the Johnny Marr mod. This was before the signatures, well. Right. we just called it. So, like, oh, have you seen what Johnny does? Yes, we'll do it for you. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll get you the new pickguard. It's fine. <laughs>
2: that I'm, was the annoying, bit, making the tiny little pickguard thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: but it, I, I, it made. It, I, I, I am not a Jaguar fan, generally speaking, but that is the one that I like to play. It just it feels more like playing a gu- guitar I'm familiar with, and then I actually do kind of like the short scale thing. Do I'm you? not more normally a short scale guy, but I like how it feels on those. You're lucky
2: that the tool thing.
0: Yeah. Know? Right. I know people. People say it to me a lot. I feel like most guitars look small on me, though. It's weird. Like that's why I like the three thirty-five so much because it's got the big body. Yeah, dude.
2: I'm not a big Jaguar fan. I am a huge Johnny Marr fan, though. He's okay. probably my
0: favorite guitarist. Though. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've had conversations with uh, our friend Edward at CME about that. Then he's. I don't a, think I have. He is a freak about it. In fact, it, like owns multiple Jags and Johnny Marr Jags and all that kind of stuff. I've
2: got a bet on with Shelby. I'm we've listening. Got, we've got a one hundred dollar wager that the smiths i do not think the smiths will reform in the next five years i don't think so. i either. don't it i'm either. glad you agree and i can't wait to receive my money. <laughs> how long
0: how, how deep are you into this wager it was it was from this year's start okay so, so you've got a little time five years yeah well i guess i mean let's just hope knock on knock on this wood here and uh I no, go see no smith i would definitely go see him i'd go see morrissey as well but you know it's. Mm-hmm. that's the bet. i just don't think it's i just don't see it happening no well hey that was a freaking amazing conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking us through everything that we went through today. You're about to head out on the road. We're, what's uh, what's the tour? What's the tour going to be for you guys?
2: Um, so I'll fly on in a couple of days to Denver, and then yeah, we've got production rehearsals for a few days. Um, so he's starting his his folk campaign now. The night sweats is sort of mm-hmm. off the road for
0: for a minute. Okay. Um, so more acoustic guitars than yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he was originally a
2: folk singer. Um, yeah, and he, and he just sort of started The Night Sweats because um, it seemed fu- more fun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but he's released his first folk record for however long. Um, I think they were, they're were they meant to be solo shows, but one thing's led to another and now we've got like a string quartet and, <laughs> and <laughs> a life coach. You know, like it, yeah. it, it, it's all gotten... it's all. It, I'm really looking forward to it. But,
0: How long are you out?
2: Um, month on, then I'm back for a week and then another couple of weeks and then we go to Europe uh then festival season will start after mm-hmm. that so wow.
0: so I won't see you until next fall
2: um uh, I mean October yeah normally the downtime is October through through February mm-hmm. kind of thing
0: um well, I'm glad we got you in February yeah. and then before before you had, uh, <laughs> hit the road again um where do I don't know where do people go online to find stuff out about this tour so they can come see you and hear all your good work
2: I mean I I Nathaniel doesn't like it when I come on stage. So, like, <laughs> right, exactly. so no one's going to see me. Unless they but, get there early. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go and see any show that Nathaniel Waitlifts part yeah. of, then I'll be the one handing him guitars. Yeah. Amazing.
0: Or catching him. <laughs> Hopefully catching him. Not on the folk run, luckily. It's acoustic. coup stage. It's a, a little stage. more tame. I put
2: in a ve- the only time I've shouted at Nathaniel... <laughs> Was was when he threw an acoustic at yeah, me once. That's, that's
0: scary. so dangerous! Oh my god! It was
2: a it was a nineteen sixty seven Gibson Country Western. Oh, oh His favorite guitar of all time. Oh my god! And, and he throws it at me in Portland. And I'm not like a twenty foot throw. He's sort of walking off stage and sort of tossed just, it. Yeah, give me the little tough one. It's like
1: you
0: know <laughs> the rules.
2: <laughs> you set the rules. He sets the rules. He knows the risks. Don't worry. All right. Thank you very Mr. much, James for Pepper. Me. Thank you so much nice for being you,
0: here. Man. That was awesome. Thank you. GearBuds Podcast. Doing the See same. See you next time. Bye-bye.